Amen. Well, the best, just like every good meal, the dessert, and we are blessed. This is one of the greatest speakers. Obviously, you folks all know that. Um, he's, uh, I, I would love to, I should have I spent time this morning writing down a list of all the things you do. Camp speaker, global, this, that. I mean, he's this, and here's, my. I'll just tell you one thing before Brother Green comes up here. My sister said one time, we were at a meeting, and she goes, Man, Brother Putnam, that you know, he's a good man for the superintendent of the state. And um, she goes, you know, and, and I quickly reminded her right away that they don't make him superintendent of the state unless he's a good man. So the things that he's involved in, they wouldn't give him those positions if he wasn't a great man. And him and his wife are just the sweetest people in the world. So why don't you come up here and teach us how to be a leader? Let's give him a big hand. Thank you, Brother Wilbur. I have been part of many, many uh, planning sessions, calendar events, sessions similar to this. And honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen it gone through so efficiently and effectively and smoothly in the spirit of unity. So uh, I'm, I'm applauding all of you today. Incredible. That's tremendous. And, uh, it just shows what great leadership you have here. And I love Brother Kylie very much, your pastor, and uh, stand behind him 100%. I just want to um, share a couple of uh, leadership concepts uh, with us this morning and maybe just a reminder, confirmation to many of you that already know this, but um, we'll just uh, sharpen the iron a little bit with a confirmation. I'm sitting here beside my wife, and it's so good to have Lois with me this week. Amen. Amen. She and Brother Wilbur is... You know, he's up here lying and saying stuff good about me. And, and one of the best speakers he knows, and Lois starts laughing, you know. <laughs> oh, Lord of mercy. So I'd like to uh, take some thoughts from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. And Paul is writing to the church at Corinth in chapter 10, and he's talking about Israel's history being an example unto us, and, and that there's things that they did poorly that we should learn by, that we should not be idolaters, and we saw what happened when they were idolaters, and we should not commit fornication. We saw what happened with, with uh, in one day, three and 20,000 fell, and we should not tempt Christ as some tempted were destroyed of the serpents and we shouldn't murmur against the leadership as some murmured and these are all examples that happened to Israel and then in verse 13 from which I'll get the concepts there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And this word temptation, I think when we usually see it, uh, we put it into our best understanding of our cultural idea of temptation. And we think of it as a, um, a temptation to sin, a temptation to make mistakes. But th this word in the Greek is parosmos, which means to prove so it's more than just a temptation like we would think it, but it's an, an adversity, a test, a trial. So there is no trials or there are no testings or there's no adversity that has come against any of us, but such is common 
to mankind. And God allows us to do these with a way of escape. I was reading, and it's been a couple years back, but I remember the article in USA Today. It was a full-page write-up in a religious section. And USA Today was talking about leadership. And when they boil down what USA says leadership is, they, they said simply it's the ability to hide your panic. <laughs> You're the leader. You have the responsibility, and everything does not always go good. So a good leader has the ability to hide your panic. <clears throat> I remember growing up, and at this time my family was in Fayetteville, Georgia, and I believe that I was 11 or 12 years old at the time, and I had older siblings, and my mom was at the house, and my grandma, my mom's mom was at the house, and dad was off to work, but the rest of us were there, and I can remember as Tina was learning my younger sister to ride a bicycle, uh, we had them bicycles with banana seats, and you know, we, we had, they were mutts. You know, we had pulled a seat from here and handlebars from there. and Not like they do today, but, and this particular bicycle that she was learning to ride on had, the pedals were broke off, so she just had them metal spokes. And she was riding that day and turned the corner too quickly, fell off, and when she did, that spoke came right into her knee. And it was, it was a mess. It was bleeding everywhere. And my sister instantly turned screaming, my, not my sister that's hurt, my other sister, screaming and running toward the house, Mama, Tina's dying, Tina's dying. And so by the time Mama gets the news and she comes running outside and understand that Mom, I'm not looking at anybody, but Mom was more than a little bit overweight. I told you I wasn't looking at anybody. Mom comes running out there, you know, and, and she runs to where Tina is, and she's, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. She's, she's panicking, and I'm, I'm just an 11, 12-year-old boy, but, you know, I'm seeing the situation, and I'm going to say that perhaps it was just God helping me to someday become a leader, but there was just a calmness in me. And so I pushed everybody aside, and I just pulled the knee together and told Tina to quit screaming. She's okay. She can deal with the pain. And pulled her, saw how big the cash was, and told Mom that she's going to be fine, but we're going to have to get her to the emergency room to get stitched up. And just kind of took control of the situation. I'm telling my brother, five years older than me, you go to the phone and call somebody. I'm telling my mom, you do that. And I just, you know, so I, I, it's, it's just the ability that when things are going crazy that you kind of hide your panic and when I felt like that all the responsibility was on me well there was some pressure there and I'm 11 years old I don't know anything about blood and guts and ligaments and bones coming out knees but I just kind of hid all of that it's ability to hide your panic there's two classes of people in the world there's followers and there's leaders but in reality all of us are in both of them classes because in some relationships and in some positions, we are followers. And then also other positions in other places, we are leaders. So this is important for us in these leadership skills to understand that we will use these as leaders. And then we will also recognize that those we are following also need these understandings and they need to not show their panic 
when the tough times come. Sometimes we look at people that we take for granted and leaders are, you know, they're our rock of Gibraltars. They're, they're solid and foundational. And uh, we, we think about the pastor who, you know, has all the answers and he's been there for years and such a calming effect and, and when he preached. But even, even pastors have times when they feel panic. And we think perhaps back to our dads and how, you know, they were the great providers and everything was fine. But sometimes our dads wish that they had a dad. And our moms who were our great lovers and they kissed our boo-boos and they gave us direction, instruction and guidance that how often mom, when we didn't even aware of it, that she was missing her mom. And how the teacher wishes that he could be taught. And the doctor sometimes deals with chest pains and high sugar level in his blood and the counselor sometimes needs a word of direction in his life and and the prophet the prophet is sometimes desperately seeking a prophetic word in his own situation that that all of us are leaders are also followers in many situations and the scripture very clear here that all of these testings they're common to man but those who are leaders don't show their panic and they provide even when they're not sure I've many times heard elders tell the stories my pastor I'm remembering some specific things my pastor talked about his pastor when he heard him in the prayer meeting before service, just the two of him in there, and, and Pastor was over in the corner just crying out to God, God, what are we going to do? We, we don't know what we're going to do. I don't know where to go. don't know what to do. And this younger preacher who was my pastor in the future is very concerned because pastor's over here open-hearted before God, doesn't know what to do, where to go. But he watched his pastor walk from that prayer room, step behind a pulpit, and preach such words of encouragement and strength and direction because... Leaders don't show the panic. Heard the story of a church that was in dire financial need, and they owed several thousand, even into the hundreds of thousands, and they had a deadline that they had to take care of things within just a couple of weeks. And the pastor stood behind the pulpit with confidence and said, "We have seventy thousand dollars, but it's going to do us no good because we need." whatever it was, two or 300,000. I know of a church down the road that desperately needs 70,000 or they're going to close. I propose that we give our 70,000. It's not going to help us, so let's give our 70,000 to the church down the road and just see what God will do. <laughs> Can you imagine him speaking confidently that this is what we're going to do with a deadline himself? But the church voted unanimously. They gave the 70,000 to that church, saved the church down the road. And of course, God, like he does, stepped in. And within two weeks' time, every bit of their debt was taken care of for that church. It's, it's something that leaders do is that when times come, they just don't show their panic. Leaders don't show their panic. So dads, when 
they're not sure if they're going to have a job or not. They job or not the next week. They they don't show that panic to their children and and moms when they don't have all the medical answers. They're still kissing the boo boo and saying it's going to be all right. And teachers are still teaching even though they have need in their own life. And doctors and counselors and providers and prophets and pastors and all of us are still going through the leadership even when we have panics in our life. But more than just the ability to not show your panic, the other dimension that we need is just to keep on going. Two simple things. First, don't show your panic. Stand straight and tall, even when you got your own doubts and fears and misgiving. And secondly, you just keep on going. I can assure you that there will be people that will not be in church tomorrow morning when we gather for services. But they will be so desperately glad that you're here. (laughs) Because in their minds, they're backslidden. They're not ready to live for God. But when they get ready and they do want to live for God, they want to know that there's an apostolic church that believes in repentance and baptism. They they want to know that somebody's still going. They they want to know that pastor's not changing what he's preaching. He's still preaching the doctrine. They they want to know that you're still, they, they want to know that you keep going. Leadership is those that hide their panic and they just keep on going. My my wife and I were youth pastors in Tennessee and that's been, how long now, baby? 75 years. <laughs> 15, 16, 17 years or so ago. And um, there, was a, there was a particular family in the church. Their name was Follow Will. And the Followill brothers, uh, in particular Nathan, Caleb, and Jared, were tremendously gifted of God. And they had a powerful anointing upon their life. And we can remember many times God giving me prophetic words for them or speaking to them in the altar and, and just speaking prophetically some of the things that God wanted to do in their lives. But these boys um, got hurt and bitter against the church, and they joined themselves together and became a rock band that is well-known in our society. They are called the Kings of Leon, and they have number one hit songs and alternative and pop music that um, our world is very familiar with. But the lead singer, Caleb, um, Caleb still makes this statement. He, he still says, I'm traveling around singing rock, and I know that it's not approval, but I, one day I want to travel around and preach still. He tells this to the Jay Leno's when they, uh, or the Conans, or whoever happens to be uh, interviewing him. He's telling them, I, I want to preach someday. I, I've, I've heard tell of how he has slipped in to some of our UPC churches and not too long ago into Memphis and slipped into the back and sat back there because he wanted to hear the old songs again and wanted to hear the worship and be a part of it. Caleb is way out there and he has walked a long ways from God and is if I could say spending his inheritance on riotous living but he is very glad that the UPC and that we are still there and he's glad that we still worship and that because one day he wants to come back to people that are still leading even though he's not following there some people are very glad that there are leaders that just keep on going there was a very good football player came out of Tennessee State. His name was Ed Jones, but the first day of 
playing football practice at the college, his nickname became Too Tall. He became Ed Too Tall Jones because when they went to hand out uniforms, his six foot nine frame, nothing was quite tall enough. And so they went around saying that he was too tall for his uniform. And then once he began to play, he was too tall for the offensive line and he was too tall for the running backs. And so Ed Too Tall Jones. And he played first round pick of the Dallas Cowboys and had a 15-year career and was a tremendous player. 101, 102, I believe it was, 106 sacks of quarterbacks over the 15 years, 1,032 tackles and three times a Pro Bowl player. Great professional career, but his, his heartbeat was boxing. And he took a sabbatical, if you will. He took a break from his football career in 1979 to try to become a professional boxer. He had six professional uh, bouts and won all of them, four by TKOs and then two by decision. But his first was the uh, strangest and it was the most controversial because he was fighting a guy, I believe from Mexico, his name was Mensesis. And Mensesis was fighting, and Ed Too Tall had the reach, he had the strength, and, and he won the first four rounds pretty heavily, this six-bout, six-round fight. First four rounds, he won pretty heavily. The, the fifth round was very close, and it could have went either way. Most of those official scores scored it for Mensesis. And now in the sixth round, Jones was probably winning the sixth round. But about 26 seconds before the bell would ring, the Mexican reached back and cold cocked him. Caught Ted. He was not knowing what was happening. He caught him on the chin. His head snapped back, and he was dazed and hurt. When he saw that he had hurt Ed Too Tall Jones, he pushed him back, which was illegal to push. But he pushed him back, and already stunned from the blow, he staggers back and falls on his burgundy shorts into the corner of where he was fighting from. And there, shaking his head, trying to clear the cobwebs from the blow, Manessus runs up to him and, fight and hits him while he's sitting down. Again, an illegal blow and snaps his chin back and Too Tall is dazed and he is out of it. He's laying there against the ropes unconscious. And now it's some 20 few seconds until the end of the bout and the trainer for Ed Too Tall jumps in the ring, is distracting the ref. In the meantime, the uh, physician for Ed Too Tall is passing smelling salts by his nose. I mean, it's distracting, like something from WWF, you know. And here it's, you know, this crazy 20 seconds and, and the referee's trying to store order and get the trainer out of the room and turn and find it. The, the physician over so all this happens in a matter of just 15 or so seconds and at that time the trainer has Ted to he's got him Ed has got on his feet but he is out of his head he's leaning against the ropes because his trainer has put him there but he, he doesn't know where he's at and finally because of all the distraction the referee is just now coming over to count him out and you get a 10 count but at count eight believe it or not the bell rung, the round was over, the match was completed. And this is where they get the term saved from the bell, saved by the bell, because many bouts at that time, you, can, you could be saved by the bell, and now they don't allow that, of course. It's 
no save by the bell rules in most boxing matches. And so at eight seconds, Ed Tutal is still unconscious, propped up against the ropes, but the bout is over. So they have to go to the cards since neither one is technically knocked out. And on the cards, Ed Tutal wins four out of six rounds. And so the referee has to hold the arm of Ed Tutal Jones up and proclaim him the winner, and he's dead on his feet. He doesn't even know. He's unconscious. Quite a crazy story, but you have to realize that we're in this fight. All of us are going to have testings, and many times we'll get knocked down, and many times we'll get knocked out. But it's leadership is just hiding your panic and getting up one more time. Proverbs 24, 16 says that a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. That's, that's not the backslider. That's not that cold in heart. That's not that weak Christian. That's not even a good man. That's a just man man. The word just and the word righteous could be intertwined in this particular verse. It's those that are right before God. It's those that are justified. They fall over and over and over, but they don't panic. They don't show their panic. And even if they've been knocked out, they still stand up. Paul tells us fight the good fight of faith. And leadership must be those that hide their panic. Micah 7 and 8, rejoice not against me, O my enemy, because when I fall, I shall arise. What's a leader? It's those that don't show their panic to those that they are leading. And it's those that just keep on going. Keep on going. What a privilege it is to be with you here today. I'm excited about this revival and tomorrow's service. Uh, God's already laid a word upon my heart, so... I'm very excited about the healing, the miracles God will do tomorrow. Also, so wonderful to finally have my wife with me in this revival. And I believe in you guys. Love you, connected to this church. I was just a little disappointed that I didn't see our revival already scheduled for next year. (laughs) I will say this. I have... uh, been talking and maybe I'm spilling the beans but you know as the evangelist I get the right to do this sometimes and uh, I've been talking to Brother Meyer and in 2015 not 14 but 2015 we are trying to get together with a schedule so Lois and myself will be at your couples retreat in February and we hope that that works out as well and you'll get to hear the real speaker of the family begin to teach us uh, amen could we just stand one more time I want to pray that that God will make us better leaders and these simple concepts be stirred in our spirit once again. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for the calling and the anointing upon each and every one that's in this place. Thank you, God, that you have called us to be leaders. Thank you, God, that we have experienced servanthood and we follow, but also for the anointing of leadership. So would you put a new anointing upon us that when the tough times come, the testing that's common to man, that, that you'll give us a grace beyond our abilities and a strength beyond our knowledge and help us to not panic in the time and to look strong and to be the rock of Gibraltar for those that are following God. 
God and also help us when we fall and when we make mistakes and when we are not performing as we should to get up one more time and just to keep on going, just to keep on going. I pray this anointing God of not panicking and keeping to go upon this great group in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Why don't we clap our hands and thanksgiving to the word of God.